there's a really famous saying that everyone thinks everyone else is having more sex than them, but no one really is. Um, and and people just assume, right, that everyone's having massive orgasms with squirts. So uh, the the reality is um, we do come across a lot of users who contact us, and and we haven't done a study on this yet, but um, just from uh, users, general users, um, what we have gathered is in many cases they can get very close to orgasm, but something in their brain stops them from just crossing that threshold. just a few quick notes before we start this episode. So first of all, um, this episode is a little bit technical, more technical in the beginning and middle, and then gets spicier middle and end. So just so you know what the flow of that will be. Um, I also have a few celebrations to share. So one of them is, I just want to say thank you to all of you that have been reaching out lately. I've been getting some really nice notes and really sweet messages um, just about different episodes that have touched you and, and ways that you've been in, been impacted. So I, I wanted to say thank you. I read everything. So if you ever want to get me, you can get me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com. I do read everything that's there. So thank you for those notes. They mean a lot to me. And I'm excited that our patron call is going to be next week. So if you are interested in becoming a patron of the podcast, joining our Patreon, if you join at a $10 a month level or more, you will get access to our live Q&As and that will be happening next week. So you still have a chance to get in for the April one. I thought it was going to be this week, but I pushed out to next week. This episode drops uh, Friday, April 21st. So we will be having the call the following week, I believe on Wednesday. So you still have time to join for that. And I have um, two celebrations. One, I wanted to shout out one of our current clients who is in our program who asked a woman out in person and didn't die. Um, this was a really big goal of his. And I think, you know, many of you have expressed sort of like, the stress, the anxiety, the the freeze that can happen in in terms of actually approaching a woman you're attracted to in real life, and I just want to shout out that client for your bravery and your sticking with itness. And I love that you you did it, you did it. You that is a milestone that you have now passed. And so I wanted to say Mazel Tov, congratulations! Just really proud of you. I also had a really cool. Um, I love to celebrate the healthy masculine on this podcast, and I had a really cool message come in from one of my women friends that I wanted to share with you all. I got consent uh, from her to share this. And it is... Okay. Hi, I have something sweet to share that is remarkably meaningful to me. So I'm out of town for our quarterly offsite company meeting. There are around 50 of us at my company and we all descend upon the same city once a quarter. It's a nice time to connect in person. And as you know, work has been a bit rough over the last few weeks. One of the reasons is because another department drastically missed their deadline to my team, and that has some serious cascading effects. Well, while we were on site, one of the members of that team, who is senior but not in charge, approached me so genuinely and stated, I know our team let you all down, and I'd like to know how we can rebuild trust. 
It was so simple and genuine, and I have a special place in my heart for men who take accountability because I have not experienced that as much as I would like to in my life. This individual has been consistently wonderful to work with, and I am really thankful to have him as a coworker. And I guess I just wanted to celebrate that because it feels like the moments in our lives when we really show up for people and the ways that men who are growing, in particular men who are growing and taking responsibility and doing the work, the way that they show up in their lives has a ripple effect on everyone around them. And I just, I love that moment and just the way that that touched the heart of my friend. And I think is having, is helping her to rebuild trust in the masculine overall. And this isn't a romantic partner. This is someone at work. It's a coworker, but it's a meaningful thing to say like, Hey, I know we let you down and we want to rebuild trust. How can we do that? It's just, it's just, it's very inspiring to me. So I guess I just wanted to celebrate the healthy masculine in that way. And, um, without further ado, we will get to the episode and, um, have a great weekend. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I am thrilled to have Dr. Sohm with us today. He is the founder of Mystery Vibe. And I always like the sex tech guests because I feel like they bring a lot of sparkle. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So um, I'm, I think everyone is sort of curious to hear a bit about what it's actually like to found a sex toy company. And um, I, I imagine this might not have been what you sort of thought your life trajectory was going to be. So I'm curious if you can bring us into your world a little bit in terms of your background, how you grew up, you know, did you grow up in a very open sex positive home where this was really openly discussed? Cause I'm, you know, most people I know didn't. <laughs> so what was your sort of life like growing up and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, it's been a very gradual and natural uh, transition from where we, where I started to where I am now. So my upbringing was in uh, Irish Catholic school uh, in Calcutta uh, from the age of six to eighteen. So, so pretty much my fundamentals, um, the person that I am, is what my school taught me to be. And this was a Jesuit school, so. Instead of focusing on academics, they focused on being kind and helping each other and loving people. And and um, and I that's all I remember from my, um, you know, my uh, twelve years of school life. And and I'm really lucky to have that school life, where the emphasis wasn't about memorizing text and passing exams. Um. And and during that time, I fell in love with engineering, building things. So I studied that for a while. I did my undergrad, master's, PhD, and postdoc. So as all the things I could possibly study. Um, and I specialized in biomedical engineering um, because I loved that intersection of humanness and and electronics and uh, what we can do together with the medics. Um, so my PhD, I focused on eyes and ophthalmology and building eye recognition systems. And um, so very different from what I do now, but uh, in a way, fundamentally similar. So we used to work with eye doctors and they would tell us, this is the kind of systems we need you to build to recognize people's eyes, can you build them? And then we would research and build them. And and what I do now is um, in neurology, OBGYN, but 
fundamentally the same thing where the doctors tell us, this is how we think we can solve this problem. Can you build this? Um, and, the, and the journey between that, um, between my I biomedical and now sex tech biomedical, um, there was seven years of consulting that I did in between just to learn business. And during that time, uh, the thing that kept coming up is life events. And, and talking about life events like childbirth, menopause, um, recovering from cancer or surgery. And, and inevitably, in all of those cases, um, one's sex life and intimacy would be affected very adversely and the mystery would disappear in the bedroom. Um, and a really simple example is pain after childbirth, and, um, which is very common, it's very normal. Uh, but uh, if you do nothing about it, it might stay for a long time and it would make it very difficult for you to be intimate. But again, if you have the right solution, if you speak to the right uh, experts, it's very easy to solve. Um, so 10 years ago, uh, I got together again with my old team from Bath, uh, where I studied, and um, and and we got together with the urology department of King's College, um, a very big uh, university in in England. And the head of the department, Professor Las Gupta, who is our chief medical officer now, he had been researching on vibrations for thirty years, and how vibration can help with various sexual health issues. So, him, um, uh, OBGYNs, uh, pelvic floor therapists maternity nurses, um, sexual health experts. So the whole group of people were all the people we then started working with. And it was a very long, slow process because uh, one, it's building hardware, two, it's uh, going through compliance, FDA, um, then going through electronics compliance, FCC, then uh, running clinical trials, then publishing them in journals. So the whole process is a very long and a very patient process where you have to have the patients to do it many times before it's ready for any user at all. And um, having that makes it really beautiful when you get to the point where patients say they benefit hugely and it's changed their life and you know they don't have pain anymore or they can have sex again. Uh, you know, they can have arousal again and uh, or they can have kids um, because they couldn't get erect before. And all of these things are so significant in, in everyone's life. Um, and the fact that it took us a long time to build it properly, to research properly, to uh, do it many, many times till it was ready for users is even more rewarding that it was worth spending the time on. So, so we are now um, nine years old, uh, ten years in a way, because we started a year before we even uh, created the company, um, and we uh, we have hundred thousand users now, um, and we have um, doctors from Mayo Clinic, Cedar Sinai in LA, um, Chicago Hospital here in King's College, uh, Berlin Charité, uh, so lots of hospitals around the world who recommend our products, uh, lots of pelvic floor therapists. Uh, it's part of uh, training courses, which is given by PT trainers to PTs um, um, in, in the area of uh, ED, 
uh, it not only helps maintain erection but get uh, helps get erect, which is very rare. Um, we are working on a device for prostate health because prostate cancer is the biggest cancer in in the country now. Um, we are about to launch a device which is an external simulator for labia for menopause um, uh, postmenopausal women who can't insert anything because of dryness and pain. Uh, and there isn't anything currently, which is a labia vibrator. So um, so a lot of work. And then we're working on something that will come out next year uh, for period pain, which delivers a very mild vibration on the lower abdomen, just below the belly button. Um, so lots of different things. Um, but equally, we care about pleasure just as much as we care about health. Uh, so let's say uh, the example of a mum having pelvic pain uh, addresses it with devices or with therapy. Um, hopefully, you know, in three months' time, she has no pain and then she wants to get back into having a good sex life again because it would have been a big gap since the last time she would have been intimate. And um, and we care equally about that, uh, about writing content. How do you talk about uh, desires with your partner? How do you bring about a conversation topics which you might be shy about uh, in fear of rejection. Um, and we try to make it as bullet point and action, actionable as possible. So it's easy for people to follow. Um, you know, it's not just uh, theory, uh, which is very much on the medical side. It's very uh, verbose, a lot of the medical papers, um, and it's naturally how it works. But when it comes to consumers um, and pleasure, we want to make it very fun sexy, not clinical. Um, and that was one of the founding principles uh, from the doctors to us saying, if you want this to benefit a lot of people, even if it's super effective, if you make it look clinical, no one's going to use it. And because sexual health needs to be fun and welcoming into the bedroom, not some steel contraption that's you scare, you're scared of. Um, and that was such an important point that normally you wouldn't think about, like, let's say if you work in diabetes or cancer or any other health area, solving the problem is everything. And how you solve it is almost irrelevant. You know, if it's this massive machine, which you have to go to a clinic for, you wouldn't really mind as long as it's effective. Whereas in sexual health, that isn't really the case where solving is obviously important, but it's as important to make it fun that you can introduce it into the relationship, into the bedroom and enjoy it and not just uh, think of yourself as a patient. So, so yeah, that's what we've been busy with. We have six uh, FDA devices now. Um, we have three published journal studies. Um, we have five more studies running. Um, there are a lot of areas we work on which we haven't yet um, published because it's um, in progress, like male pelvic therapy through perineum stimulation. Uh, again, a very, very unknown topic. Um, spinal injury patients creating arousal through inference where one part of the body is erogenous and the other part isn't. Um, working on uh, psychogenic ED where the erection issues are purely psychological and there's no physiological damage so something could be stress related 
worrying about not having finished your emails and work at night and, you know, stress of what's going to happen tomorrow, um, stress about money, economy, etc. So a lot of these things can cause uh, psychological barriers towards arousal. Um, so we're researching on that and how or if our devices can help with that. Um, period pain, another big one. So there's a lot of work uh, that's always ongoing and some of it will work out as in it will prove to be effective and some of it won't and then it will give us valuable feedback on how we can either improve our existing devices for that um, issue or um, or or create something new to solve that. So yeah, so that's kind of our uh, summary. Yeah, I'm interested in what you said about life transitions. You know, you mentioned um, menopause, sex after childbirth, um, sex after surgery or recovering from cancer. And in all of those cases, our sex lives are affected. And we don't really talk about that very much. I think <laughs> menopause in particular, I don't hear that much about it. It's I'm a woman. I should, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really know what to expect. I have a few assumptions, but um, I'm imagining that some of your studies did have to do with postmenopausal women. Can you yeah. say a little bit about how um, in particular, my attention was caught by the part about vibration, like how vibration itself can be healing and maybe bring back some sensitivity to tissue that hasn't been sensitive. Or can you say a little bit about what that actually means and what the results of your studies were? And can you be sort of specific about like, here's the sex toy and like, this is what it does, like actually does because yep. that some of them are shaped. You can shape them to different, your, uh -huh. to your vulva or your particular body, et cetera. Walk us through that part. Yeah. Uh, very, very important topic. You're absolutely right. Not talked about enough. Um, the only thing I would add is it's better now than it was a few years ago and it's getting better. Uh, but there is uh, a lot to do. And the biggest challenge is menopause is something that affects later in life. So 50 plus typically, and most startup founders tend to be young, you know, in their twenties or thirties, it's not that common to start a company in your fifties. And the, the challenge is if you don't relate to something, you know, a 25 year old just doesn't get it. Right? They wouldn't understand what, or, or that it would happen to them. They know it will. They think it's so far away that it doesn't matter. And, and that's the, that's the main reason why there hasn't been much work when it comes to starting new companies, creating new solutions for menopause. Um, because uh, by the time you're 55, you, you're probably, you know, you've made your money, you have time. And the last thing you want to do is go on the most complicated journey of your life and start a company. Um, it, it is definitely not for the faint-hearted and less than 0.1%, you know, ever would start a company to start with. And, and, and you know, so it's a, there's a good reason why you wouldn't want to take on such a massive um, engagement when you, you've probably achieved quite a lot of success in your career already. Um, the other reason why menopause hasn't been 
or sexual health post-menopause hasn't really been talked about is because life expectancy, even 50 years ago, was around 60. So it's only in the last 50 years with advancements in medicine that life expectancy has gone up to 80 now. And probably by the time we are 80, it will be you know 90 or even 100. And if you think you have menopause at, say, 55, and everyone tells you you're going to die by 60, you have bigger things to worry about, where you're like, oh my God, I'm five years from death, than, you know, um, if you have dryness and you can't have intercourse. So, so the, so just to put it relatively, you know, if you're 95 and everyone's told you you're going to die by 100, you probably have different things in your mind that I've got five years left to live. I need to sort out a million things. So that's probably why um, till, you know, recently menopause wasn't, or sexual wellness after menopause wasn't considered an important topic. But now, if you think you're 50, you have time, you have money, you're going to live for at least another 30 years, if not more. And these are the golden years of your life when you have, you know, the means to enjoy. And um, if someone tells you, you know, this is it, you're never going to have sex again. That's just sad. So then you will care about looking for a solution. You will make the effort to find specialists and talk to them and ask about what exists. And and this is why I think now is the time when more and more people are working on menopause, talking about menopause, because there is that pull from women in their 50s and 60s asking for solutions. And it's only when there is demand that people care about the topic. So, um, so with that context, the um, so the study we ran, which is published, uh, on was an arousal disorder, which is the main topic in uh, one of the main topics in um, the menopause segment, and the other one being atrophy and dryness. So, um, with menopause, what happens is because it's a pause. Uh, the hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of them um, pretty much go down to nothing. Yeah, And as a result, uh, you, your body doesn't produce lubrication naturally um, or it becomes very difficult to do that. So and that leads to dryness and obviously that can be very painful um, if you want to have sex. So the the easiest things to do is lube and vibrator. Lube because it lubricates, and you might have to reapply it. Uh, but you know, as long as you have an enough generous amounts of lube, that is uh, step one. And then step two is vibration, and because what vibration does is it increases blood flow, and fundamentally, that's what everything we do relies on. So just to give you a very simple example of erection, erection is all about blood. Uh, Viagra is all about blood. Viagra was a heart medicine. So yeah, it just helps pump blood. And um, vibration does exactly the same thing. It stimulates 
areas to generate blood flow. And blood flow can help with arousal and blood flow can help with wetness. Yeah. And blood flow can help with pain relief. Uh, and an easy way to think of that is back pain and a product like Theragun. So when you have back pain and your chiropract uses Theragun, all they're doing is applying vibration on a on the painful part of your body, which is no different from applying vibration on the pelvic flow therapy uh, as part of pelvic flow therapy to vibrate the areas which are painful on the pelvic floor to help with, um, again, pain relief through uh, increased blood flow. So so that's how the uh, fundamentals of uh, what all of this work. Uh, and to be more specific with the devices, uh, so Legato is one of our devices which is designed purely for bimenopause doctors. And what it does is it, it uh, takes the shape of the labia. You can just bend it and it sits on the labia and it vibrates. So what it allows you to do is stimulate yourself from outside, get aroused, and then have penetrative sex without having to insert something for arousal because it might be painful to insert to start with. If it isn't, if it isn't painful, then you can insert. So we have another study with Crescendo, uh, which uh, is the pelvic floor device, but you can use it for uh, general arousal. And that showed within a 12-week period, uh, using it three times a week, um, 2x improvement in arousal. So it's very um, simple and it's very effective because all it's doing is you can reach inside. It's bendy like two fingers. You can reach inside and pinpoint exactly where you feel the most aroused because it's just very subjective. Uh, in the case of pain, obviously, it's very objective where you pinpoint where you feel pain. Um, and um, and that's it, really. You just uh, power the vibration as high or as low as you're comfortable. And then using it regularly improves your arousal. So, so, so in a way, what we do is very simple and fundamental. Um, from a medical perspective, we don't come up with any medical theories. We uh, rely on what is proven, uh, like certain frequencies, 100 hertz, for example, it's proven uh, through years of clinical research that it's very effective for uh, sexual health. So we then work in that range. And then our goal is to make it extremely body adaptable. So whether you know, you're very small or very big, it will bend and stretch and take the shape. Because the main goal we have is how can we make it super easy for either the user or a therapist, doctor, whoever is helping them to get to the point and deliver the precise frequency at the precise uh, power to be as effective as possible. So that's our core goal with everything we do. And, you know, whether you think of period pain, where it's um, distributed vibration in the lower abdomen, or you think of um, vulvodonia, where it's very precise vibrations on the vulva. So um, all of it fundamentally is the same thing. And I'm curious, you know, you, you tested, I want to say, across 2,000 people, across two years, across 40 countries, or there was some statistic about <laughs> all of these these ways that you tested these devices. Um, this is a really personal topic, 
right? It's a very personal topic. We're talking about because something like menopause, a lot of women have shame. I don't get wet anymore the way that I should. Um, men don't always know, or partners, whether it's men or women, whoever the person's partner is, they might feel shame as well because, well, I'm not making my woman wet. I'm not exciting her. I'm not arousing her. There's so much psychological and emotional content here. I'm wondering, what was it like kind of navigating those the commentary? Because you would be getting... I mean, people were giving you feedback, I'm imagining. And some of it I'm sure was, wow, I, I thought I would never be able to be wet again. This is incredible. Or can you walk us through a little bit of like the personal side of what is this like, let's say for a couple where she hasn't been aroused for two years and their relationship has suffered. I mean, tell us a story that or something. I, I can tell you. Yeah. One, which is, um, uh, and I'll tell you in a second what you talked about, uh, what we call Pilot One Thousand, and it's and uh, and we love it, and it's fascinating, you know, developing products with feedback. Um, so one of the stories was, and it's it's so it's so remote that it's so fascinating. So Hungary, it's a country we've never sold any products in yet because it's just not uh, in our. Um, we haven't done anything in Hungary, and um, you know, it needs different uh, marketing. It's it's complicated to expand into. Um, other countries, uh, you know, and all our work is in English. So um, we, I think we were at CES. Yeah, this is this is few, maybe five years ago. Which we is a, a very large conference for context. It's a big, uh, it's a big uh, electronics conference in Vegas, which happens every January. Uh, 300,000 people come. It's all about, you know, massive electronics, Samsung TVs, that kind of stuff. Um, so there was a journalist from Hungary. Uh, who stopped by our booth, loved what we were doing, wrote about it. Uh, uh, an elderly couple uh, in their 70s read about it, um, figured out how to buy our product uh, because, you know, we obviously don't have a shop or anything in Hungary. And ordered it online, got it delivered, probably spent quite a bit. Um, then maybe a month later emailed us and that's why i know the whole thing because i wouldn't have known otherwise and and said um you know we have been married for 30 years and we feel like we felt when we had our honeymoon um and not having had uh intimacy for probably decades uh you know and 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 that made us feel and this is in the early years of our company because we got our fg in 2019 so, you know, we were, we only started selling in 2019. So it's very early years of our company. Um, and, and it was just so satisfying and so rewarding to think that that chain of events had happened and it was purely organic. And the fact that someone reignited, brought that mystery back into the bedroom, which was the whole point of the company name. Um, and, and, and now they have a regular sex life, which they probably had assumed is no longer part of their marriage, you know. Um, and that's one example. The other one was uh, an article in Women's Health about a journalist who wrote it anonymously, who said that she was struggling with depression for a while, and then her friend gifted her a crescendo, which is one of our devices. And she 
left it for months. She's like, you know, I don't care. Because the biggest challenge with antidepressants is also it suppresses your arousal. So you don't really feel, you know, like doing anything sexy. Um, but the reverse is so fascinating where orgasms improve your mental health. So, so if you can overcome your mental block towards having pleasure, the pleasure should in turn help you improve your mental health. Uh, and all of this is obviously, um, you know, studies uh, which are published. Um, and uh, she said she she felt like a woman again. Uh, and this is all written in, if you look up Women's Health uh, Crescendo, you'll see in the article. Um, she felt that she could, um, you know, feel happy again. Um, and all of this is obviously proven anyway that orgasms help has so many benefits you know benefits with immunity improved immunity benefits with sleep benefits with improved skin uh there's just so many health benefits uh, that it is um it's obvious you know why sexual wellness matters um and and then uh, so so that was the second one which again was so fascinating and then um and then the other one i remember was uh a guy had colorectal cancer and then he had surgery to remove the cancer. And after that, he couldn't get erect anymore because that's quite common side effect. Then with Tenuto, which is our ED device, um, he could get erect again. And because we designed the device to allow ejaculation, which is not possible with the ring because the ring is circular, uh, a penis ring, it does hold the blood so you can stay erect, but it also constricts the semen, so you can't ejaculate. So it makes it very uncomfortable. So we designed it in a way there's a gap. And then, um, and this guy was in his 40s, early 40s, uh, probably 41, 42, very young. And um, and obviously he wanted to have kids with his wife and uh, and she got pregnant. And uh, so he contacted us and that was again, he is so, so happy. All of these are such happy stories. And, and the thing is, a lot of the times um, people don't share, like you were saying, you know, people don't really share what they do. And often what you will hear is, you know, if people have any issues, like, you know, uh, I need to have a replacement or I need help with app or charging, which is fine. But um, sometimes when we get these intimate stories, it's so rewarding to know that people are benefiting a lot. Um, so having said that, now quickly going on to the Pilot 1000. So the way we develop all our products is we uh, build them for a certain number of years. So let's say two or three years in the lab, try with uh, doctors, uh, test, and very close group. Then when we think it's ready, and then it goes through compliance, uh, which then it's ready for uh, just people to use. Then we do a thing where we do a pre-order of 1,000 units because thousand is enough uh, to get good recurring feedback in the sense that if I aggregate the feedback, there will be common themes. And if enough people say, oh, can you change this or can you improve this? We know it's worth doing because it's quite difficult, let's say with 10 people, because you don't really know what what they're saying, if it's any good. Yeah. Uh Yes, as I, I do, I also do sex research more on the emotional and psychological side, but I can also attest that 
you have, you need a certain number of responses for it to be actually useful. Otherwise it feels like this isn't enough data points, but when you see a thousand to 2000 people saying the same things over and over, then the pattern seems quite clear. And that's one of, I think the, yeah, it's one of the, the challenges and the beauty of research is you have to have enough, you have to have enough of it to be, to be useful. And, and you know, what we realized in the early days is if you, let's say you do it as a users group and you invite people over um you know 20 people maybe even 100 people they'll probably be similar yeah they'll be from the same city they'll be they'll come from the same demographics they will have um similar mindsets now with pilot 1000 what we can achieve is make it a pre-order a bigger uh, with a huge discount you know like 50 percent off um tell people you're going to get two units you're going to get one which is now, and then you will get one, which will be in six months. And the one in six months will have all the feedback that you give us. Yeah. Now, the reason for doing this is even if you paid $50 for something, you will make it, uh, uh, you make an effort to give feedback. Yeah. If you get it for free, even if you give us feedback, it will be very polite because you're very, you know, grateful, you got a free product. You're like, oh yeah, it's great. But it's not helpful at all. So so that's why we obviously, you know, give it free to doctors and patients and uh, experts and all of that stuff. But we then do the Pilot 1000, uh, do a pre-order, get them the devices, get all the feedback, spend three to six months making as many changes as we possibly can, run it again, the whole production and then send them a second unit, which is the final unit, which everyone else gets. And by doing this, and we've done this for every uh, all of our six products, and by doing this, it just makes the products so much better between what we create, even after two or three years of research, to what we create plus 1,000 people's feedback six months later for um, the whole world to enjoy. I want to go back to two things. One, you you talked about an erectile dysfunction product, an ED product. I know that a lot of my listeners are going to be very interested in that. And I'm assuming it also involves vibration. Can you walk us through, um, was that product primarily designed for folks that have had surgery or have some physiological, physical thing going on? Um, Because you also mentioned psychogenic, I believe you call it psychogenic ED, which I believe, you know, I work with a lot of men who have sex with women. And I would say many of the men I work with have more of that, right? Erectile dysfunction is more sort of psychological in nature, but yeah. What is that product like? What does it do? Uh, Tell us about it. So the the product uh, is called Tenuto. What it does is it creates a 360 vibration, um, which Step one is to use on the penis head, the glands. Uh, so it's a very uh, tight but comfortable soft silicone uh, ring, which you hold on the penis head, vibrate it for as long as you want to create the erection. Then it stretches and opens and you pull it back to sit at the base of the penis. Then it grips it. And with the gap in the bottom, it allows ejaculation. But the grip on the top holds the blood. So you get erect and you stay erect. The, there is a 
bit, which is on the back. So it's an L-shaped device. The back bit sits under the perineum and delivers very powerful vibrations on the perineum to improve the arousal, improve the blood flow, improve erections. And then the front bit, which sits at the base of the penis during intercourse, would stimulate the labia and the clit. And the reason for doing that was uh, one, to help women have external arousal, which nine out of Also because it's super fun. <laughs> it, it's, it's very fun. And nine out of 10 women need external arousal to have orgasms. So because it's such a big requirement, we thought if it's not just about direction. In this case, it's about improving intercourse generally, right? So, um, so that's one part. But the second part, which is incredibly fascinating, is the reason for purchasing the device. Now, there are two reasons to purchase a vibrator. One is you want to improve your sexual prowess, you want to improve your sexual your pleasure, orgasm. Two is you want to improve your partner's pleasure, you know, uh, partner's performance. In most cases that we have found in our research, female-centric toys are bought by men as gifts. Yeah. Uh, especially premium toys. And the reason for that is, one, it's a nice gift. You know, they feel, uh, the partner feels that, you know, the men really care about their pleasure. They really care about um, helping them in the bed, making them happy. So that's one. But two, and this is fascinating, is from a men perspective, it's a gift that will help them have more fun because it's that catalyst Maybe they're not having that much sex anymore. Maybe they're not, they don't have the frequency. They don't need an excuse. And, and if they buy a vibrator, they will have to be intimate to use it, right? And, and this is where there is something in it for them. Now, where it gets interesting is male toys. Um, so male toys are very complicated for women to buy. Uh, generally, male toys are only bought by men for themselves. The reason is if... Uh, a couple isn't talking about these thing, things, even if the woman thinks that there is a problem in the bedroom, if he hasn't brought it up, she's not going to bring it up. And which means she's not going to buy a device for him without having a chat first. And if she does, it's going to be problematic generally. Yeah. We've had people contact us saying, oh, I bought it. My partner is very upset. Can you can you take it back? So um, so we do not recommend that policy at all. You know, don't surprise them when you don't think they're going to like it. So where this gets so fascinating is the front bit of Tenuto. Because it's a labia stimulator and it's all about uh, female pleasure. If a man buys it and says, I bought this beautiful device, which is a wearable for me, but it's really for you because I want you to orgasm at the same time as me, which obviously never happens. Yeah. And I care about your pleasure and I want you to have fun and I want our sex to be, you know, a hundred times better. So I bought this um, wearable. I don't have a problem, but, you know, it's going to make my erection better, stronger, longer, anyway so that's great but really it's all about you so so there is just so much psychology around um introducing sexual wellness into the bedroom um that it can't be ignored it can't be 
here's a product and it solves X, which goes back to the point around other healthcare, like cancer. If you if someone tells you, oh, you know, just go to chemotherapy and you can get rid of your breast cancer, that's it, right? It's binary. So, okay, fine, I go there, do my chemo, get rid of my breast cancer, I'm done. With sexual health, it doesn't really work like that. It's not, okay, here's a device which is going to improve your erection by 2x, it's clinically proven. You know, I can tell you all of this FDA, you know, as recommended by Mayo, Mayo Clinic. I can tell you a million things, but you're like, I'm not sure I can talk about this with my wife because I haven't really told her I'm having any issues. And we just avoid having sex and that's the solution. So, so you know, there's just so much around sexual health that um, the longer we spend in this in this world of sex tech, sexual wellness, sexual health, sexual medicine, um, the more people we work with, the more people we talk to, the more patients, the more users, the more doctors, the more we learn all the little nuances. And, and, and it's so fascinating. Yeah, I can corroborate that. In, in my sex research, one of the patterns that showed up was how terrified women are to speak up about things that aren't working in the bedroom. It's very, very, very scary. Um, don't want the man to get angry or criticize or defend himself or um, leave the relationship. And so a lot of times they'll just grin and bear it, right? They'll just, it's yep. not worth the risk to the relationship to be honest. And totally. so one of the things, you know, in my course on sex that I teach men is how to invite her out, like how to invite her truth forward so that, you know, things can improve so that there can be more openness. And I remember one man saying, yeah, I started inviting her to tell me more. And one of the things she said was, um, sometimes I'm almost there. Sometimes I'm almost ready to climax. And then you stop what you're doing. And he said, oh, that's because you get really quiet. And I, I, I'm like, you were moaning and then you're quiet. And she's like, no, that's when I get really quiet. Sometimes that means I'm really close. And so they were able to connect on something because he invited her. He was like, I want to know, like, I want to know these things. It's safe to tell me things. And I think that's something that a lot of men do want to know. And they actually would be open to hearing more from their partners, but they assume that their woman will tell them. And I can tell you as a sex researcher, looking at the data, you should assume she won't tell you. <laughs> so you, if yeah. you, you invite her, if you ask the right questions, which is part of what my course is about, you can get gold, golden information. I mean, you can get a lot of great data from your partner. And I really like the idea of, um, you know, sex tech and sexual health, just becoming more mainstream in general and more healthcare practitioners knowing about it and inviting these conversations forward. Um, and I want to go back to the, the ED, the erectile dysfunction wearable, because it sounds like that is meant for intercourse and it's meant to be worn during intercourse, which is also, I wouldn't say unusual, but I think um, to your point, there's really not a lot on the market other than cock rings for that. Um, and I'm wondering, have when you did the studies on it, did men kind of need to wear it forever, or was it? Could, could they taper? Did they get kind of? Did they get their erections back? Did it? <clears throat> did it transform them so that they didn't always have to use that's it? A, that, that's a really uh, good question because um, it's two different types of studies. One study is. Of the ones we run is whether adding a device will improve a certain sexual health function. 
So a good example is FSFI, so Female Sexual Function Index. It's a very well-known measure. Yeah. So what we do is it's like you start with a baseline and you measure everyone's FSFI. Then you run the study and you tell people, can you use it three times a week for 12 weeks? And then you measure it again. And that's if there is a significant improvement, then it's then it's valuable. Um, what would be interesting to study, and we haven't done that yet, is let's say we do that. And then we do another study in three months with exactly the same cohort of patients. And this time without any devices. And we measure their FSFI again. Um, and then we do that again in another three months. But we tell them, you know, make sure you don't use anything. You know, just be yourself, um, you know, have natural uh, play using your fingers and play with your partner, but do not use any devices as an example. Um, and see if um, that has, um, in a way, cured the problem. So so that's something we haven't run yet. So talking about ED, so what we have uh, shown is using the device, you can get erect. So a very visible example would be vacuum pump. So if you use a vacuum pump on a penis, it vacuums the blood into the penis. Then you take it off, put a ring, and hold it. Yeah, very simple. Um, but does it solve ED? Probably not, um, unless unless um, it's psychogenic, in which case it might. And the reason for saying that it might is if the psychogenic is to do with confidence and the worry is I won't be able to get erect or I won't be able to stay erect. But if they get erect and stay erect enough times with the help of something, whether it's a vibrator, Viagra, pump, whatever it is, and they have that enough times to gain their confidence back, maybe they will overcome their mental barrier and be able to function properly. So uh, so yeah, that's a very interesting area to figure out whether you know something can help cure um an ed um the other thing to think about is um let's say if someone's struggling with ed and they, they haven't gone to any specialist and they haven't got themselves diagnosed what could be the reason a good thing to check for is whether they have nocturnal erections um just natural erections during the night while they're sleeping and if they do it's likely physiologically they're totally fine yeah and it's likely that if they're having difficulty with either getting erect or staying erect it's probably to do with stress or something psychological um which can be you know you don't need to use something forever as in you don't need to use Viagra or a device forever. So hopefully the Viagra or the device, it's like breaking a leg and using a crutch, walking again and you know then being confident to run. Um, so if you use the whatever help it is temporarily, maybe for a few months, you gain your confidence back. Um, but probably the best thing to do would be to speak to a sex therapist to understand what exactly is it that is causing the stress or the blockage in the mind. And that would be the true long-term solution. Um, yes. And, and the yes. will obviously help. 
Yes, I can, I can corroborate that. Actually, one of my, one of my clients recently, we had a lot of discussions about emotional safety. So a lot of men I've noticed will have erection issues when they don't feel emotionally safe with a partner. And we don't talk about that a lot as a culture. We tend to talk about safety and sexual safety for women, but not so much for men. And this man had a complete breakthrough with his recent partner. They've built a lot of trust and he was like, is this ever going to change? And I said, just ride it out. Just wait a little bit. You're still getting to know each other and you're still building trust. You're still becoming your, your body is still adjusting to being with her and feeling safer with her. And sure enough, within, I think a couple of months, it was a completely different scene and they're having wonderful sex and it's, it's just, everything's different. And so I think that the psychological and emotional safety for men is intimately related to their cock. And we're not taught that we're taught like men just want to bang, you know, they're just, we don't have a very good sexual culture, I think in general in the West, (laughs) but I think there's also a lot of pressure on men to want to have sex all the time and be, I don't know, like Superman or something when it comes to, to it. And then they watch porn where I spoke to a porn director recently and she said, 100% of male performers are using drugs for their erections. 100% of porn stars mm-hmm. are using drugs to maintain erections. So then we have this sort of example that's completely unrealistic. I'm um, yep. But I wanted to go back to something before we before we wrap because we're starting to get close to time, which is you mentioned um, pain after childbirth. Mm-hmm. Women who have pain um, in their vaginas after childbirth around sex, and I think specifically uh, intercourse. And I know that you have or you mentioned something about your personal experience with your partner. Can you t- tell us a little bit about how maybe these products helped you, or what was your what was your yeah. uh, journey like? Yeah. Um, so very much the same as I had heard before. Um, but luckily, you know, we came prepared in the sense that because we were already working on sexual health for at least three or four years in when we had our first kid. So we, and also we learned the journey. And the biggest thing we learned is Everything pre-childbirth is about looking after the mom and everything post-childbirth is about looking after the baby. And that's why the moms don't get much attention. Um, And also the moms don't have time to look after themselves. So it's a combination of the healthcare focusing entirely on the baby and the mom focusing entirely on the baby and the mom thinks whatever issue she's had will automatically go away. And that is the biggest um, thing that's holding back uh, improving sexual health after childbirth. And a, and a really important statistic is that um, 86% of moms after childbirth have pelvic pain or just general pain, um, uh, vaginal pain, scar tissue pain, etc. And 50% of them, as in 50% of all moms, have pain even after two years. Yeah. And the only reason is they are not aware of the solutions 
if they go to say a general medicine doctor it's unlikely they will know about pelvic floor it's just not something uh, that's taught in general medicine um it's very rare that a mom will go to a pelvic floor therapist well, for, first they need to know such a thing exists then they need to find someone then they need to figure out whether this person is good you know like good as in like from their uh you know the right fit for them and then they need to spend a lot of money and time so imagine you know sit two hours a day for three days a week for 12 weeks for a mom with a baby that's a lot of time and let's say it's hundred dollars okay it probably is more but let's just say it's hundred dollars that's three hundred dollars a week times 12 weeks that's five thousand dollars oh sorry uh, four thousand dollars right that's a lot of time and a lot of money on something that most people are not aware of so that is the reason that one in two mums will have pain because in, in the other cases it does go away which is fine but in one and two cases it doesn't go away which means you know even two years later you are in pain and maybe you have resumed your sex life but now you are having painful sex which means you dread it and you're thinking oh how can i not have sex again i can't be bothered right so so the, all of these issues then stem from that uh which is both childbirth pain but they're so easy to solve simply by going to see a expert and walk us through you your partnership right your wife your oh, right. sorry sorry yeah so the what um we did is um we had exactly the same experience um pre childbirth it was all about the mom post childbirth all about the baby um but luckily we work with so many expert obgyns um pelvic floor therapists so we set aside time for my wife to go to pelvic floor therapy uh we set aside uh budget for that um and i think for her it was similar it was 3 months um which is quite a normal period of time how long it takes um of regular therapy uh to then you know uh, get rid of all the pain i think she had a little bit of pain i think all her pain went away after 6 months so it is still a slow process um and then she also did a lot of kegel exercises uh, which is different from pelvic floor therapy uh, in terms of pain relief so this is very much to improve your pelvic floor to uh, you know avoid incontinence um and just weakening of the floor um so so she did uh, that uh, again because it's an area we work in and we understand and and the combination of pain relief and then strengthening uh it is really very very uh, powerful for um any mom to recover so so that's what uh, our experience was and then the um the other thing is what we are trying to do when it comes to pelvic floor therapy is how can we make our device and just to explain why we made the device uh and we didn't have the device when we had our kid so this was still uh in r&d um so the device that we have now um using it three times a week for five for 12 weeks improves your pain or reduces your pain by five times so it's a huge change from having pain to not having pain so it's a significant change in your quality of life so that was our most successful um medical study of all time um 
and uh, and all it does is literally mimics two fingers reaches and uh, stimulates where you need to stimulate so the the um, what the therapists do uh, is they if you go to therapist the first time they will explain it with the device then you take the device home and then use it by yourself and why that is so significant is because it's a one time you only have to go once um you only buy the device once and you can use it whenever is convenient and you can just use it for 10 minutes when you get a spare 10 minutes which is much easier than having to take 2 hours out to go somewhere wait have therapy and come back right which means you're going to actually do it one because it doesn't cost you anything and two because the time commitment is minimal yeah and at the convenience you know you might do it um at night when the kids go to sleep and you have time uh which you can't you know at like 10 or 10 pm you can't go and see a therapist so so it's all of these reasons why it's so significant and even better is let's say you have no access to for therapy and you live in a place where there just isn't any um we have videos and uh diagrams created by therapists where you can just watch it and read it follow the pictures and you can do it to yourself and and it's one of those things where you can figure it out by following instructions and if you don't have the resources to go to a therapy uh, go to a therapist so it's it's something that we want to get as part of the new mom pack so that every mom gets it because there's a massive education issue where most moms don't even know what pelvic floor is it is unknown right the if you ask most moms where is the pelvic floor they will have no idea uh if you ask most doctors who are not in sexual health what is pelvic floor therapy they'll have no idea so and and that's the the easiest way to overcome that uh, which is our goal is to introduce this as part of the thing you take from hospital when you have your baby a pack for new moms and and that's it you know with instructions use it whenever you have time and you only have to use it for a few months and then you won't have pain you will have uh, improved pelvic floor uh reduced chances of incontinence uh, and get back to having a good sex life again I think this is another good example of not waiting for a woman to <clears throat> speak up about something difficult but actually inviting her first right providing for her first and yeah there's a big difference between waiting for someone to express a problem or bring a vulnerable topic to you which is a really hard thing to do versus going to them and saying hey this is something that we see a lot most yeah. you know 86% of moms after childbirth i mean that's the vast majority have pelvic pain pain or some kind of vaginal pain this can help with that it's pretty easy etc so that when it starts happening she's not confused she doesn't feel shame she feels like oh my god i'm not going to be a good partner or this is going to last forever or i'm never going to get my body back you know it's it's just mm-hmm. it feels inviting to have it be <clears throat> proactive instead of reactive um yeah. one thing i did want to touch on before we wrap is in my sex research one of the topics that came up again and again for women was trouble climaxing trouble having orgasms there's a technical term called anorgasmia which most of you've never heard of i'm sure you're familiar um yeah. where a woman cannot have an yeah. orgasm um and that can be 
have been happening for her whole life, or it can happen after a traumatic event. Um, there's different reasons for anorgasmia, but I'm curious if you have any studies or have done any work on women who have trouble climaxing, because it is also kind of a complicated topic. Sometimes it can have to do with physiology. Sometimes it can have mm-hmm. to do with that part or that relationship. So what did that look like and what happened there? It's, it's, a, it's a really uh, important and uh, more common than most people will talk about. Because it's um, there's a really famous saying that everyone thinks everyone else is having more sex than them, but no one really is. Um, and and people just assume, right, that everyone's having massive orgasms with squirts. So uh, the the reality is um, we do come across a lot of users who contact us, and and we haven't done a study on this yet, but um, just from uh, users, general users, um, what we have gathered is in many cases they can get very close to orgasm. But something in their brain stops them from just cross, crossing that threshold. And if they manage to, then the floodgates open. And then in most cases, then after that, they can orgasm easily. So what, um, what we find has worked quite well. And we haven't done any medical studies, but we have um, uh, from our user, the feedback is... Um, the pelvic floor device, which is crescendo, because it's basically a long finger and it bends. So what happens is if they're masturbating with their fingers, then their body just says it's not going to happen. You know, they reach a point, they are very close to it, but their mind is telling them, you know, this is it. And then they give up. Yeah. And, uh, or they get tired. But having, uh, having two, two things, one, a long finger, two, a very targeted vibration, which can be super powerful, delivering vibration at the most erogenous zone that they have found inside them, and just having to keep it there helps them overcome that barrier because, one, it's, there's no chance of them getting tired, two, they don't have to give up because it's just a matter of holding a device um, or even hands-free. And having that huge amount of vibration helping with all the extra blood flow to create that extra arousal. So so that's what has worked uh, for a number of our uh, users who have an, who had anorgasmia. Um, but to be definitive, we'd have to do a study um, it's it's quite a complicated topic to study because um, often it's difficult to set the criteria to select the patient because anorgasmia can happen from various different reasons and some would benefit from what I just described and others won't and you'd have to be very specific in patient selection to make the study sensible, you know, where you're comparing like for like. Otherwise, it's very, it, otherwise it's not going to give you anything meaningful. Yeah. Um, so, so it's something we definitely want to look into, um, but it needs a lot more thought. Yeah, and something that I would add as well is um, one of the things that I've noticed is <laughs> these things often work best in in um, partnership meaning uh, 
devices and toys like the ones you're describing while also having a mentor that you trust that's holding this space with love because I know many of my clients um, are survivors of sexual trauma so childhood sexual abuse or um, adult that goes for both men and women and um, so there, there can be layers of things that are going on or even just sexual shame having been shamed in childhood or even bullying, like a lot of things we wouldn't think would affect sex do affect sex and the willingness to let go, right? Because I know a lot of people will, they'll say, oh, I don't have any trouble orgasming by myself, but I have a lot of trouble orgasming with a partner. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I guess what I would say as we're wrapping up here is all of that is addressable. I have seen pretty substantive drastic, incredible shifts in people and huge breakthroughs in this area. And people have said things like, you know, the older couple that said, we just thought this was over for us. We just, we thought this was never going to change. And our bodies are much more resilient and, and plastic in the sense that we can, we can shift, we can grow, we can change, we can, we can expand and it, you're never stuck. So I guess that's kind of a message that I want to yep. see here. Totally. Is that, you're never stuck. I, yeah. You're never stuck. It's really where our brains are neuroplastic. Our bodies can shift and change. You can see pretty incredible results when you put attention on the right things and you get the right mentors, mm-hmm. you get the right help in your life to even just have someone holding the position of possibility for you. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is possible. We we, we yeah. can do, we've seen other people that have done it. There's something about that. Just like, oh shit, this is real. <laughs> this might actually change for me. And it opens opens your mind. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so just as we wrap up here, how can people find the devices? I'm also going to drop the website in the show notes, as well as that one article that you mentioned from Women's Health. But mm-hmm. how can people, find you and are there any particular studies that you're like read this one this one's really cool um so we uh everything is on our website mysterywebe.com uh including the studies in our about us page uh health page um the most i mean all of all all all, all three studies that were published are very uh, valuable areas of pelvic pain um, or genital pelvic pain and penetration disorder which is a big group of um, pain uh, arousal disorder, which is again a major topic, and erectile dysfunction. So those are the three that are uh, currently published. Um, so you know, feel free to read them. Uh, they're quite technical. Um, so what I would say is read our blog. We make everything super easy. Bullet points, things like how to boost your bedroom. You know, with the right room temperature, the right music, the you know candles, um, mutual massage. Um, little things that you can do to rekindle your intimacy without having to worry about performance, which tends to be the biggest um, thing stopping couples from reconnecting after they had a long gap is the worry that they have lost that sexiness and they will, they they won't be able to perform. Yeah, they won't be able to um, have good sex because they haven't done it for a while. So if you make penetrative sex the last thing and not even a goal, and if you make intimacy the only goal, then bringing about change is very easy. Because, you know, uh, something as simple as giving each other a massage means there's nothing you have to worry about. You know, you, you can't, you can't go wrong. 
so um and that just that just changes the dynamic from you know not doing anything and going to bed and watching tv to doing something intimate to them feeling sexy again and then building confidence and then you know getting back to a regular sex life like you used to before whatever you know whether it's a child or menopause or whatever happened and that caused that big uh, gap because of a life event so um yeah so everything uh, we've written thousands of pieces over the years um on every topic you can imagine um yeah so read a blog uh, check out our devices uh, we have six devices um which range from um just general arousal um to pain relief to erection to prostate health Amazing. Um, well, I yeah. have to have you back to talk about all things prostate because it's such an, a rich topic that I think a lot of men would get yeah. a lot out of. And, and I think, and, and again, yeah. extremely under exactly about, people right? don't they don't really know what it is or what it does or why it can be. There's just a lot to talk about there, so I would be very interested in that. And I loved what you said. I'm going to have that in the show notes as well. If you make intimacy the only goal, then bringing about change is very easy. Thank you. Thank you for... Because even if you think of something as simple as a 30-second hug is far more powerful than a three-second hug. And it is only 30 seconds of a day, which is nothing, right? And you can easily make that a thing. Yeah, and it's not difficult. of oxytocin. I, I coach Correct. couples as well as... A lot yep. of men, and it's one of my assignments, and I have couples do it in session because it calms each person's nervous system more quickly than anything I've seen. Just yep. holding and breathing together, belly to belly, is it's like a like a high quality narcotic, but not scary or bad. It's just like oh, soothing, right? Oh, soothing. Well, thank right. you for and, and these are the little things that people need as nuggets right they just need some ideas it's so easy to bring about change once you know that it's not complicated you know it's it, it i think the problem most people have is they try to think of zero to hundred you know like we're not having sex we haven't had sex for a year i must have sex right now and then, then they get scared like what if i can't have sex but like you can start by hugging for 30 seconds like oh yeah i can do that you know and and it's easy, right? So, so anyway, so that's that's the that's everything we work for is how do we bring that mystery back in the bedroom? How do we bring that intimacy back? How can we keep that intimacy after twenty years, thirty years? Um, because it needs it needs work, it needs effort, it needs both people to do something about it. It just doesn't happen naturally. Yeah, it's like tending a garden, right? We both need to yeah. tend the garden and then we have beautiful flowers. Well, thank you for joining us. This was really great. Thank you so much for having me.